Chapter 2 of Bethink Yourselves by Leo Tolstoy Translated by V. Chertkov This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Something is taking place incomprehensible and impossible in its cruelty, falsehood, and stupidity. The Russian Tsar, the same man who exhorted all the nations in the cause of peace, publicly announces that, notwithstanding all his efforts to maintain the peace so dear to his heart, efforts which express themselves in the seizing of other people's lands and in the strengthening of armies for the defence of these stolen lands, he, owing to the attack of the Japanese, commands that the same shall be done to the Japanese as they have commenced doing to the Russians, that is, that they should be slaughtered. And in announcing this call to murder, he mentions God, asking the divine blessing on the most dreadful crime in the world. The Japanese emperor has proclaimed the same thing in relation to the Russians. Men of science and of law, Monsieur Muraviev and Martins, strenuously try to prove that in the recent call of all nations to universal peace and the present incitement to war because of the seizure of other people's lands, there is no contradiction. Diplomatists, in their refined French language, publish and send out circulars, in which they circumstantially and diligently prove, though they know no one believes them, that, after all its efforts to establish peaceful relations, in reality, after all its efforts to deceive other countries, the Russian government has been compelled to have recourse to the only means for a rational solution of the question, that is, to the murder of men. The same thing is written by Japanese diplomatists. Scientists, historians, and philosophers on their side, comparing the present with the past, deduce from these comparisons profound conclusions, and argue interminably about the laws of the movement of nations, about the relation between the yellow and white races, or about Buddhism and Christianity, and on the basis of these deductions and arguments justify the slaughter of those belonging to the yellow race by Christians, while in the same way the Japanese scientists and philosophers justify the slaughter of those of the white race. Journalists, without concealing their joy, try to outdo each other, and, not hesitating at any falsehood, however impudent and transparent, prove in all possible ways that the Russians only are right and strong and good in every respect, and that all the Japanese are wrong and weak and bad in every respect, and that all those are also bad who are inimical or may become inimical toward the Russians, the English, the Americans. And the same is proved likewise by the Japanese and their supporters in relation to the Russians. Not to mention the military, who in the way of their profession prepare for murder, crowds of so-called enlightened people, such as professors, social reformers, students, nobles, merchants, without being forced thereto by anything or anybody, express the most bitter and contemptuous feelings toward the Japanese, the English, or the Americans, toward whom but yesterday they were either well disposed or indifferent while without the least compulsion they express the most abject, servile feelings toward the Tsar, 
to whom, to say the least, they were completely indifferent, assuring him of their unlimited love and readiness to sacrifice their lives in his interests. This unfortunate, entangled young man, recognized as the leader of one hundred and thirty millions of people, continually deceived and compelled to contradict himself, confidently thanks and blesses the troops whom he calls his own for murder in defense of lands which with yet less right he also calls his own. All present to each other hideous icons, in which not only no one amongst the educated believes, but which unlearned peasants are beginning to abandon. All bow down to the ground before these icons, kiss them, and pronounce pompous and deceitful speeches in which no one really believes. Wealthy people contribute insignificant portions of their immorally acquired riches for this cause of murder, or the organization of help in connection with the work of murder, while the poor, from whom the government annually collects two milliards, deem it necessary to do likewise, giving their mites also. The government incites and encourages crowds of idlers who walk about the streets with the Tsar's portrait, singing, shouting hurrah, and who, under pretext of patriotism, are licensed in all kinds of excess. All over Russia, from the palace to the remotest village, the pastors of churches, calling themselves Christians, appeal to that God who has enjoined love to one's enemies, to the God of love himself, to help the work of the devil, to further the slaughter of men. Stupefied by prayers, sermons, exhortations, by professions, pictures, and newspapers, the cannon's flesh, hundreds of thousands of men, uniformly dressed, carrying diverse deadly weapons, leaving their parents, wives, children, with hearts of agony, but with artificial sprightliness, go where they, risking their own lives, will commit the most dreadful act of killing men whom they do not know and who have done them no harm, and they are followed by doctors and nurses who somehow imagine that at home they cannot serve simple, peaceful, suffering people, but can only serve those who are engaged in slaughtering each other. Those who remain at home are gladdened by news of the murder of men, and when they learn that many Japanese have been killed, they thank someone whom they call God. All this is not only regarded as the manifestation of elevated feeling, but those who refrain from such manifestations, if they endeavor to disabuse men, are deemed traitors and betrayers, and are in danger of being abused and beaten by a brutalized crowd, which, in defense of its insanity and cruelty, can possess no other weapon than brute force. End of chapter 2